0: Hi, I'm Jill Wright, founder and CEO of Executive Shine, and on behalf of myself and my phenomenal guests, we want to welcome you to Executive Shine Soul to Soul Conversations. I am so honored to bring you some of the world's most fascinating and dynamic leaders who often only have one thing in common. Uncommonly outrageous positive impact on people and businesses. They are leaving this world a much better place. So, kick back and join us. Grab a few insights you can immediately apply to leverage your leadership and foster greater authentic connection in a world that's become increasingly disconnected. We so desperately need you to shine your light bright. Enjoy. I'm so excited today to bring you a very special guest. Um, we have today with us Celia Slater, and she is the CEO of True North Sports. And I want to read you her bio because it is so amazing. So let me just get that? I had it up here. Let me see. Um, Okay, I am having technical difficulties. So, (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I know you've been doing this for 33 years and you have an incredible history with the NCAA, the Women's Basketball Association. So tell us a little bit about that because my technical difficulties this morning
1: are not working. Yes, yes, it it happens, you know, those technical difficulties. But um, yeah, I was a... I was a college basketball player, um, played at Florida State. I started at Clemson, transferred to Florida State, and I went on to coach college basketball for 15 years, and mainly at the Division II level. And then from there, I co-founded the NCAA Women Coaches Academy. And I also co-founded the Alliance of Women Coaches, which is now called League Coach. And so the NCA Women Coaches Academy was kind of unique at the time because it was one of the very few programs that brought coaches of all sports together. So it was, you know, women coaches from basketball, volleyball, soccer, softball, didn't matter the sport because what we were really talking about were all the people management and leadership skills needed to be a transformational coach. So we basically, you know, we ran that, I, I was in charge of that program for like 11 years. And then we started a female, all-female coaches organization. That's like an advocacy group for women coaches. Because one of the things in our country, and probably worldwide, honestly, is we're, we're losing women in the coaching profession. So um, the statistics right now are women coaching women are around 42% where, and then women coaching men is still like less than 5%. So there's kind of like this, it's okay for men to coach women, but it's still not very cool for women to coach men, um, which is a whole nother podcast. But I, I think like, so for, for there, I kind of um, moved into, when I did the Women Coaches Academy and we coach for like 11 years, um, I moved into creating True North Sports. Um, and I, I, I just really wanted to integrate my classroom with male and female coaches because I felt like if you want to influence change, everybody has to be in the room. And I, I think it's great. I, I love I, I love the community that Um, The Women Coaches Academy created between women coaches, female coaches, who many of them feel isolated, alone. They're a lot of times the only women in their athletics department. Um, So I do see the camaraderie. I see the value in that, whether that's a women's organization, a people of color organization. Um, I do see the value. I'm not trying to knock that. I just feel like, I also feel like, There's a need to have juicy conversations um, about why women feel the way they do, why people of color feel the way they do because so many of us have unconscious biases that we don't even realize until somebody speaks a truth and we go, whoa, I didn't even know that I was being prejudiced or biased in that situation. Um, So I've been, uh, started True North Sports in 2014. um, And so I've been doing this work now. And most recently, kind of thanks to COVID, we created the Coach Development Academy, which is based on right now, three workbooks that we've written. And we also have a virtual platform. Um, And I I just want to say like so much of everything that I've been involved with, You know, it's one of those wound to gift stories where everything that I suffered through as a coach because I wasn't prepared um, is kind of like, how do I help future coaches not have to have as much of a struggle or make as many mistakes um, as I made as a young coach with no training? So a lot of what I do is really based on my life experience, my life story um, in, in an effort to help the future generations of coaches
0: absolutely i mean though it's it's so true i think with with all of us I mean the reason that I got to be really good at the part about human connection and honoring people and building potential within my organization is because that's what I wanted. You know, I, I was really young. My father told me I would never make it without him, all of those things. So I wanted to be someone who believed in people. And that's when I met you, I was so inspired because the work that you do and the work that the coaches that you train and, and other coaches, the, you really have the ability to change a life i mean it really is transformational coaching it's not it may look like you know i said this to you it's it's under the disguise of sports right but it's really human development and people are so hungry for that right now because this curriculum is is I hope you can find it somewhere during your life.
1: Right. Right.
0: Yeah. And I think
1: specific. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like one of the things that I think both you and I are after as well is the ripple effect of that, you know, like, you know, you, you work with your leaders of, you know, your, your executive shine and you hope to impact them. So then they go and they impact their employees that are under them. Just like, I'm hoping to impact coaches so that that impact trickles down to all of the athletes that they work with or their assistant coaches that they work with or the department that they're working within. Um, So it's, to me, that's, that's where the power is, is, you know, when you affect one life, you're really affecting many. And if you can empower one person, you can empower many. And so it's very important work. Which I find so interesting, you know, honestly, if you look at any any industry um, that deals with people, I'm always fascinated with the lack of training and the lack of development. And, you know, like we just assume people know how to move through conflict or we just assume people know how to be organized or we just assume you know, people know how to come up with their own philosophy or organize their values or, you know, and it's just not in our culture to do that. And so I think we all need help with that. And it's an ongoing process. It never ends. You know, it's our whole life journey.
0: Absolutely. You you touched on one piece of that that I want to go deeper. One of the first, one of the things I was most impressed with is one of your first manuals is managing yourself
1: right yeah and so, that's a that's a pretty big uh yeah deep dive. that here here it is and it's a pretty big deep dive into um a lot of self awareness work you know it's really about how can you manage and lead others if you cannot first manage and lead yourself And there's so many people that jump in and try to lead others and they have no clue of their strengths. What do they need to work on? What are, you know, what kind of people do they need to surround themselves with? And we also touch on just what does it mean to be a professional coach? You know, what's the professionalism, you know, a well-integrated life, mindfulness and emotional control, you know, like all the things again, here we're circling back to this again, Jill is all the things I wish I would have known. <laughs> what? You know,
0: it, taught me those things.
1: Yeah. I wish somebody would have, but it's like, you know, so a lot of what happened with COVID too, was, you know, because we couldn't, I love in person. I love to be with people. I'm a people person, but COVID I've obviously eliminated that. Um, so what me and my one colleague, Hesse, who's the softball coach at Missouri State, um, and another colleague, Teresa Beckman, the three of us kind of got together and said, we need to create, we need to put everything that we've been teaching coaches for all of these years into a workbook series and then create a virtual platform that they can actually deep dive into this. So we, we kind of created a hybrid where we do live sessions, you know, with the coaches to kind of break down the material and have special guests and coaches come on to talk to them. It's so awesome. So many coaches that are high profile are so willing to give back and get on there and talk to the coaches. Um, And, you know, so then they work through the workbook. We have videos to support it. um, But they also get the human interaction where we have breakout groups and guest speakers. And so it's, it's really been awesome. And I'm very proud of it. Um, We still have one workbook that we're creating Um, called Managing Your Career, which we're still writing, Um, that's going to be a little bit more nuts and bolts on interview, hiring process, but then the second half, which you can probably attest to this, and I even asked Barbara Falkenberry, our common friend, um, because she was a two-star general in the Air Force, did they have anything like this for you, which is helping people transition from one job to another, So like when Barb would come into a new job when she traveled in the Air Force as a new commander of an air of a wing commander or of a base, they really didn't have a great transition. And I thought that was really fascinating. Same thing if I'm transitioning from an assistant coach to a head coach, helping coaches have a checklist that they can go through as they make that transition. Because I'm telling you, I have like several friends going through it right now, some coaches that I'm coaching one-on-one going through it right now, it is like drinking water out of a fire hose, as you know, and you are just like overwhelmed with the sheer responsibility of being in charge. So that's the next workbook we're working on is managing your career with the hiring and then different transitions a coach would make throughout their career and just kind of helping them and guiding them through that.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's incredible. I mean, the information as we flipped through these books and looked at your program, it is so comprehensive. I've never seen anything like this. That's why I was so excited. I said, "Would you be on my show?" Because- yeah, yeah. No,
1: I. I think um, if so, people can see the how we built this. The first one's managing yourself. Then the second one my colleague Holly Hesse wrote is called managing your program and so managing your program is all about how do you organize your program, how do you hire staff, how do you delegate. Um, And then we go into some other basic um, how do you organize in the college coaches, how do you organize your recruiting system. Um, And then we also go into some other managing skills around conflict ethical decision making um, emotional intelligence you know, those different pieces as well. So that's all managing your program. Like how do you manage people? How do you manage all the tasks that need to be done? And how do you manage the people doing those tasks? And then the last one that we just released is Managing Your Culture. Uh, That was written by Teresa Beckman. Um, And we basically use the uh, mental model of an electrical plug to talk about the components of culture that are timeless. Like they're timeless concepts around culture. Um, And, you know, just kind of work with the coaches on, you know, how to develop that culture.
0: We talked a little bit about that. And one of the things that one of the women said that I thought was so powerful is, do you remember when she said that the culture of gratitude so when the, the 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 from the leader on down through your ranks you build that culture and then when your players when they they interact with the ref you say thank you sir thank you ma'am and you behave with character and respect and nobody is teaching those kind of things simple thank you simple gratitude can not only transform a team, but can transform a culture in a business, a relationship, all of those things. So that's really powerful. So talk a little bit about that because I know that that's part of what you're teaching.
1: Yeah, I think a big part of it is understanding that coaching is a people profession. So first and foremost, And coaches are going to be modeling behavior. And that's one of the biggest things within a culture is what are you modeling? And that's what our one friend said at lunch that day was she was modeling the behavior she wanted her athletes to do um, on the court and how they treated referees, how they treated their opponents, how they treated everybody within, you know, the whole competitive experience. And I feel like within what we're trying to do is first really get coaches as an individual um, to look at themselves and kind of go into this profession, really having a this self-awareness piece that they really understand what are their triggers? What do they do really well? What do they need to get better at? What kind of people do they need around them? Like, I feel like, all the things that we're trying to teach, start with the leader. And and let's just like, I'm going to use this as an example of one of the biggest things that we teach, and it's in our Managing Yourself workbook, is understanding the power of our life story. And many of us, you know, we look at our life story, you know, and we don't understand how you and I, Jill, right now talking are just simply an accumulation of Our every moment of our life and those moments have shaped our values and our beliefs and those values and beliefs then shape our philosophy as a coach. It shapes your coaching philosophy and then that coaching philosophy then shapes your team culture. And so, but it all starts with our story and who we are. And many of us, like one of the analogies I kind of use when I talk about life story is I'll walk into the classroom with a big bag over my shoulder. And I say, hey, I just wanted to share with you all, this is my life story bag. And so I walk in and I put the bag down and I start taking out symbols of my life. And I say, oh, here's a pyramid because my mother was born in Egypt. Here's an airplane because my father was a pilot. Here's six little dolls that represent my siblings. Here's a a sports bra because I was an athlete. Here's a whistle because I was a coach. You know, all you get the picture, right? So I put all these things out on the table and I say, well, wait a minute, you know, there's something else in this bag. And I reach in and I pull out a 10 pound dumbbell. And I say, this too is a part of my story. This is something I've been carrying around my whole life. It's a heavy thing that happened. It hurt me. And the good news is, This dumbbell used to be 60 pounds when I was 20, but I've worked really hard to shrink this dumbbell. But what I find is a lot of us try to avoid the dumbbell and we just keep carrying it, right? And we just want to focus on the gifts and we want to focus. So I say to everyone, we all have gifts and dumbbells in our story bag and our job in life as an individual is to lighten our bag to lighten our story bag and the lighter, like, you're going to love this. Cause I always use the shine bright thing too, is the lighter our bre- our bag, the brighter our light. And so our, my job, I look at more, I guess I'm kind of feel it's a little bit of a ministry in that I want to help leaders, coaches, like lighten that part of them. So they can start to let go and heal and, and feel their lightest and their brightest. And and all of us have gifts and dumbbells in our story bag. I mean, there's no one who's immune to that. And I think the part about that, that I think is also great is when you start talking about story bags like that, it really builds the empathy muscle within a community or within a classroom or within, because people start going, man, yeah, I have that dumbbell. You start thinking about the athletes you coach. You, you start thinking about the people you work with, Jill. All of them have their story bag. And, and how much do we invest in getting to know people's stories? You know, it's, it's, it's so vital. It's so important. And I give them an example. For me, in my life story bag is my family, because we, we, we gather around meals. And I mean, my family, I have a big family. They're really wonderful we laugh a lot, you know, we, we have a good time. And um, so I learned the value of gathering community around food around, you know, and it taught me like, I love to build community. I'm a good community builder. And then, but the other side of it in my story bag was that my parents, although they really loved us kids so much, they struggled with each other and they would argue like volatile. They would have these really bad arguments in front of us. And so as a kid, what I learned was that conflict, I don't want anything to do with it. I want to avoid it. I want to, I don't want to be around it. So I didn't have a very healthy model of how conflict can deepen our relationships. My model was you don't want to do conflict, avoid it at all costs, (laughs) So I learned a lot about, so in my story bag, so that's one of my dumbbells that I've had to work really hard to shrink. And thanks to my partner, Becky, she's really taught me that it can deepen our relationship. If you, if you can stay in the uncomfortableness of it and work through it, you can really deepen those relationships. So I, I just share that because I wanted to share the depth of this work. It's not, This is not for the weak. This is is like we really challenge coaches to be vulnerable. We really challenge them to look in the mirror. We really challenge them to get to know themselves as a leader. And quite frankly, to have compassion and empathy for themselves. You know, everybody's doing the best they can. I really don't think people in general wake up and go, Gosh, I can't wait to go and hurt as many people as I can today. You know, like, I, I just can't believe that people do that. But I think unconsciously, they have their story. Um, so anyway, I, I, I just said a lot. So I'll be quiet now. <laughs> Let oh, <you> no. share.
0: <laughs> I am so, every time I listen to you talk, I am more and more impressed. And that analogy is phenomenal. And what you do when you bring that story bag in and you symbolically, you are opening yourself up. And so you are giving everyone in the room permission.
1: Yeah. Because they're all thinking about their story bag. Right.
0: Exactly. And then you you are challenging people because this is not for the weak. Yeah. Yeah. So this is not for people who are not willing to do the work. And so, I mean, that's what I focus on in the show is people making extraordinary impact in their own specific little piece of the puzzle that come together to really create an incredible world. And so you you touched on it a little bit about your values and we had talked about that and you had kind of two separate areas of that that you go over and so tell them that because this is phenomenal I could talk to you all day
1: well we when we talk about values um the biggest thing for us is for them to get really clear on what they value um and when, remind me what you, when you're referring to two different types of values, can you give me the context of that conversation? Because it's not we clicking.
0: Well, we were discussing having a personal values statement and oh, okay. a team values statement so that gotcha. you can integrate those things and helping people to make that connection between what's important to them and then how that is translating into their leadership and throughout their team, nobody teaches people how to have a personal values statement. Yeah. And what I think is fascinating is, is I said to you, it, this is absolutely a ministry and I believe that business is a vehicle to, you can use it to do two things. You, you can use business to develop your people which then develops your business very naturally. You don't even have to, you know, you have to hold the container and keep, you know, developing your people, motivating your people, encouraging, appreciating, all those kinds of things. But you don't have to teach them. You have to develop the genius you already have within. And so when people feel seen, and honored, and safe, a lot of those people have never expressed, just like you said, they put the, the dumbbell, they hide the dumbbell. They don't want anybody still to-
1: they it. it. I guarantee you they're yeah. still carrying it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Instead of dealing with it and as an understanding that the dumbbell is part of what shapes them, is part of what gives them the depth to be able to connect. Because one of the things I say is there is no connection in perfection. Yeah. Because, you know, when you come in high, I'm a perfect coach, and I'm going to teach you to be a perfect coach. It, it It's not effective. But no. when you come in with that power, powerful analogy. That is amazing. Yeah. Then you set the tone for them to be comfortable and and really look at wow what is it that shaped me yeah nobody's given me permission to look at that before so that that's amazing
1: yeah so the the what you're referring to in our workbook is uh, we have a personal mission statement and then later in the book as they go through some of these other course uh, these other modules we have them do a coaching mission statement but it all starts in the chapter prior to that, which is we have them really look at their values and their strengths. So we have them go through a values clarification process. Um, You know, we have them look at extrinsic values, intrinsic values, like what are the things they're looking for in a job? What are the things they're looking for in life? Um, And, you know, from that, then they kind of move into, that helps them write their personal mission statement. And the personal mission statement um, really is more global, and it's not specific to coaching. Um, so it's really about the person you want to be every day. And so, when our coaches, I, I can tell you this that m- so many of our coaches have given us feedback that that was one of the most powerful exercises that they have done. And they have it posted, you know, somewhere where they can read it every day, you know, like on their desk or on their computer monitor so that when they go to start their day, my friend Holly actually reads her um, coaching mission statement every day on her way to practice. Um, so it's, it's kind of like uh, those two powerful tools where you really kind of get clear. And, and it's funny because when people write these, they finally get to, you know, you keep going through a rough draft a rough draft. And I tell them, you know, those will change potentially over time. You know, your values can shift and change over time. And um, one of the things I'll say to them is, if you want to know what you value, take a look at what you give your time, your money, or your energy to. And because it doesn't matter what you say, right? When it comes to your values, it's really about your behavior and what are you doing. That really shapes and says what our values are. I've done talks with athletes and I'll say, Hey, you all say you want to win a championship, but you know, I'm hearing that you guys are out drinking every night, you know, you're, you're past curfew, you're drinking every night, you know? So your behavior is saying that social life is a higher value than championships to you. And so that really hits them like, Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. You know? And same with coaches, you know, you, you cannot, you have to live those values. You have to model them or, you know, kids see right through that. Any Anybody who is following a leader um, sees right through it. So I think that's what's really important. And when you put those into words as a mission statement, it really, really hits home. Um, and, it, and it, it keeps you um, focused, you know, it keeps you on task, it keeps you on the path of who you wanna be.
0: Well, you really touched on something, who you wanna be. How many people, they connect, like we were at lunch with an astronaut, you know? She didn't wanna be that from when she was young, but who she was as a human being is what attracted those opportunities to her and people it, pe- nobody's teaching that foundation i am so impressed with what you're doing and it's it's so powerful and Anybody can take part in it. You know, it's easy to connect with. And you broke it down in such really simple steps because living an incredible life is really simple, but you have to think about it for five or 10 minutes, you know, before you embark on your day. Yeah. So what you said about writing that down and keeping focused on that and they say you be what you want to see. So yeah. if I want to develop good people, guess what? I have to be that for them. I we have a saying: "Um, love always wins, and love rolls downhill too." You know, just like shit does. So if you want to see that in your organization, you need to build that within yourself so that it then just like you said, ripple affects your whole team. It's so profound.
1: No, it it totally is. You know, it's like one of my favorite quotes is, we do not learn from experience. We learn from reflecting on that experience. And I think reflection is a lost art. You know, we, we don't have a lot of, we don't take a lot of time to reflect. We don't take a lot of time to you know, really digest an experience. We just kind of move through it and move on to the next thing and not kind of notice, like, how did that impact me? How did that impact others? Is there a conversation I need to have? Is there something I need to address or fix or um, apologize for? Um, So I just think that's, that's really what I'm trying to give them as a skill set for reflection.
0: Well, and I think, that's really profound. I, I love that you said this because part of my personal mission is to in, in all ways to bring the light, to bring the energy, to be a reflector of genius. And that in that way, I have to also own my own own, what I'm good at, which is connecting with people and clearly not technology. Um, but that, because when you do that, when you connect with other people like that, that's why you're talking about having some of those conversations about diversity. I think connection is the greatest gift for development that, that we're given in life. I, I see things when I connect with you that I would like to improve about myself you know and and also things that that i i i like about myself i say oh yeah i'm i'm i agree with that but taking that time i think people in covid now i think it was kind of a crazy gift and a lot of the really incredible women that i i've had a chance to connect with Have all said that this gave them the opportunity to slow down and to do some of that reflection, just like what you said.
1: No, for sure. For sure. It definitely was a lot of gifts in COVID. I know it was horrible. And, like, I mean, it was very hard in so many ways. And, you know, I feel, I mean, how so many people have lost their work, how many people have lost family members, friends, like, it definitely had its awful side, um, and then it also had its gift side, um, for sure, which is, seems to be always the case, you know? Yeah. Nothing seems to be always all bad. Right. You know?
0: So t- talk a little bit about then, once you develop these values, then I, one of the things I love also about your program is that you talk about building a culture as well. So then how are you taking those values and building? Talk a little bit about some things that our, our listeners can use to, to bring that. Because there's cultures, not only in, in business, there's culture in families, there's culture. And, and when they learn to develop that on the court or on their team, they can take those things into all aspects of their life.
1: No, for sure. You know, like um, we, when we talk about the culture part um, again, so much of it starts with the leaders self-awareness around the culture. Um, So if I share the model, which I can show you here, which is this, this. this electrical plug which we call plug into great culture. And you can see that the main prong here is the connection prong. And the connection prong is twofold. You got to connect people to each other within your culture and you have to connect people to the vision of the program. Um, So there's two, two different levels of connection that we need to have to have a healthy culture. And then the other one over here is behaviors. So we have to have the behaviors that we want in our program and in our culture or department or whatever you, you know, whatever group you're leading. Um, So we have to have those types of behaviors that, um, that model what we're all after the vision. Right. And then in the middle, the middle prong is about habits. Like what are those habits that we have that we want to praise when they happen and, Um, how do you say, um, um, hold people accountable when those behaviors or those habits drop below the line? You know, what's above the line, what's below the line behavior that we're after? What are the habits that we want to keep our behaviors above the line? So these are all part of it. And then obviously, then the biggest part of this, and this is just, you know, is the feedback loop, which encases all of it. That encases the entire plug because feedback is critical. Like if you are in a place that allows healthy giving and taking of feedback, then that to me is a big litmus test of any culture. If there's not good feedback where people aren't afraid to take risks, they're not afraid to do things or or to try things, um, then you're, you know, because everyone says you need to fail right everybody says you need to make mistakes to improve or to advance right but what is your culture around failure what is your like what is your environment what is your ecosystem that's around failure because if that ecosystem is toxic nobody's going to want to fail and if your ecosystem's healthy then people are going to be taking risks they're going to be trying new things right um, so the feedback loop is so so important, you know. Um, and then obviously all of that plugs into the people, the people in your program. And so if you plug into this and things are doing well, then obviously then the current's going to be strong enough to make your culture as bright as possible. So that's that's kind of our model. And and to us, those concepts are timeless, you know. We didn't we started to write examples of what other coaches do, and but we didn't want to, we didn't want to go down that path because we wanted coaches to kind of look at all the timeless concepts that are around connect, you know, around uh, culture. Um, and and I find like the feedback part to me is what's amazing. You know, it's like it's really hard to find um, healthy feedback. And in the coaching world, in my world that I'm leading and, you know, training and developing, especially on the college level, there's a huge feedback gap. Huge. Like, I, I honestly don't know where coaches give feedback to improve. I really don't. That's why we created an assessment in our in our program for coaches to assess themselves. But it's, it's really a missing part. And if you don't have that, Things become stagnant. Things become toxic. People, people feel um, disempowered. You know they're not engaged. So, and and you know all of this. And you you and I both know that that really what we're talking about here with the fertile ground of all of this is around trust. I mean, trust is you know the main main component here. Yeah. You know and. You know, we we actually teach Brene Brown's braving model for trust, you know, and we use the acronym. We teach them if your trust is breaking down, use these areas and see specifically where your trust is breaking down. Because I, I believe organizations and teams can be successful without trust just because people will work hard because of just internally um, sometimes teams band together because they hate their coach so much and they don't trust the coach, but you know, they can have success, but it won't be sustainable or will it be fun, <laughs> you know? So, and fun is important to me. Like I want to have fun. I want our coaches to have fun. I want our the co- teams that they work with to have fun. So, but I think that that whole underlying part around any culture you're building if the trust isn't there, it's it's going to be really really hard. Um, Covey's um, son in his book, The Speed of Trust, you know, he talked about the fact that you you have um, character and you have competence, you know. So you know these these two things, like who you are as a person and how good are you at what you do, are ways to build trust in an organization and if the trust is low then the speed of productivity goes way down because nobody's taking chances nobody's being innovative nobody wants to make a mistake but if the if the trust is high in any organization and we know organizations like this right if the trust is high then the speed of productivity skyrockets Right. People are taking those risks. They're going for it. They're giving their best. They're offering ideas. They're they're not afraid to make a mistake. They're not afraid to fail. Um, And I think that that's those are the types of cultures that we want. Right. Are are around this concept of trust. And we go over that in this managing your culture workbook as well.
0: That's so powerful. Mm -hmm. And what you just said too, is creating a culture of safety Mm -hmm. because there, there is no growth. There is no expansion, innovation. If, if you don't have that safe place where it's okay to fail, because everybody says that, like, it's a, cool thing to say but what it really means is is you discover so many things each time you do something and that that sense of of owning your growth owning your accomplishment even in failure your you you never you you just don't like completely fail it's not like everything you do so there's a piece of it that didn't work but there's a lot of pieces in there that did work so you when you have just like you said that time to reflect you take that time for feedback okay so what worked and what didn't work and then how can we take the good pieces of this and build on that so there's never when you have that that safe culture of trust and and communication feedback all of those things when you i say judgment stops all love and mm-hmm. so if if people feel that within an organization it shuts down all of the innovation and the gold and the genius is within your organization. Right. And I, I feel like your job as a leader is almost like a minor, you know, you, you, your job is to cultivate that because when your people feel seen and when they are recognized and, and they, they are own their own accomplishments then they, they feel good about themselves and people don't leave places that they feel good about.
1: Right. You know, no. They
0: build right. long-term. I mean, I have long-term 20 years and above employees and, well, contractors and, and they don't leave because they're constantly accomplishing. They're growing. They're becoming better and better human beings. And, And all of us, I mean, I'm in that mix too. I'm constantly learning, constantly trying to be a better human for them, but also for myself. So touch a little bit, you touch a little bit around it on on personal responsibility and accountability. We don't have too many minutes left, but I want to touch on that because I think personal responsibility and learning how making that cool. I mean, learning how good that feels to, to own your accomplishments and feel good about what you're doing. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah.
1: I think um, one of the, you know, kind of metaphors that I will use with the coaches a lot of times is like this kind of spiritual law of reflection. So it's like the world, the only person you can't see in the world is yourself. And so the world provides you with all these mirrors. And so you see a lot of times when people trigger you or they, they hurt you or something comes up when you talk about accountability, then I have to take responsibility for that and say, okay, what inside of me is being hurt by that? You know, it had a place that it landed and why did it land there? Okay. So but the other side of the reflection part is that there's people in your world that reflect all the wonderful things back to you too. So it's not a one-way mirror where all you do is get reflected back to you. But because of our negativity bias, we see so much of the the, the hard side of that. And so when I think about that, to me, that's the part that is so juicy because I'm constantly seeing what, what are the things that I need to heal or get better? What are the things that I'm doing well that I want to build on? And, and the people that I surround myself with is so critical. Right. Um, But I feel like when you're talking about this is like, that's the joy in living, you know, like Covey, this is probably a good way to end this. You know, Covey has this whole concept of begin with the end in mind. And to me, that's the power in this is what do I wanna be thinking about? If I have the ability to be thinking about something in the last few minutes of my life, what am I gonna be thinking about? I'm not gonna be thinking about anything but the people. I'm gonna be thinking about what am I happy about? What do I regret? What am I, You know, what are the things? That's what I'm gonna be thinking about, the human experience. It's not gonna be my achievements, my car, my house, my money it all isn't going to matter. So I think how do I hope that our goal is how do we all become the best version of ourselves so that we can make an impact and, you know, love on the people around us and help them heal. Um, I just think empathy and compassion are, are two of the most important leadership skills to have for ourselves. Don't beat ourselves up. And extend that to others.
0: It's so true. And where can people... So we have this... I can't forget this. Where can people connect with you? Truenorthsports.net. That's right. put all that in the show notes as well. Yeah. But talk about that a little bit, where they can connect with you. Because this program is life-changing. And I want everyone... It's And it's so you your examples and analogies are so simple yet incredibly profound and 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 they're not it, you give them in such a beautiful way where where it's inviting for people to engage with them engage in looking at those habits engage in feedback you make that attractive and rather than some people, when they talk about feedback, it's, they have a energy of judgment that comes in that and you make that so safe and so inviting. And that just in itself is a gift. And I'm just, every time you speak, I'm like, Oh my God, (laughs) I I love what you're, I just love what you're talking about. So I'm, I'm so grateful to be able to have you on the show. I, we will have to have this again. And One of the things that you said that was really interesting too is, is our negative bias. Yeah. And how can we recognize that and shift those habits to having a positive bias? Because that's so true.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely like a mindfulness practice, you know, and being kind and gentle to ourselves. And I think, I'm not saying I'm good at it by any means, but I definitely have gotten better at recognizing it, seeing a visual stop sign and changing my thoughts, you know, cause our thoughts create our feelings our and our emotions. And I've learned the, how the power of that. Um, and so that's a whole, like you said, it's a whole nother podcast. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, people want to if people want to engage with us, we're on Facebook, we're on um, Twitter, we're on Instagram, you know, Um, we're at go team true north on Twitter. And then everything else is true north sports. And we're starting our next class of managing yourself in August. So if you want to sign up for to take the virtual class, uh, jump on and join us.
0: I, I am so, so excited to do that and share your work because I think it's transformational and I am so grateful to you for coming on today and I am excited about our listeners being able to know this new information and that you've put all this together in one place that's so simple and so non-threatening and easy to engage Because, you know, when you know better, you do better.
1: That's right. That's exactly right. That's such a simple little thing, but it's so true. So true. So true.
0: But Jill, thank you for
1: having me on. It's been an honor to talk with you, knowing your background. And it was great to meet you um, in Colorado recently. And I really, really appreciate um, your interest in our work. So thank you so much.
0: Oh, you are so welcome. And thank you. And until next week, join us for another great show. So thank you so much.
1: Until next time. Okay.